Welcome to Carmelite Conversations. My name is Tim Beat, and I am sitting in for Francis Harry and Mark Danis today. And I'm excited to have a wonderful guest on the program today. Sarah Law is a UK-based poet and writer. She teaches for the Open University and has published five full-length poetry collections. And she has long been drawn to contemplative expressions of Christianity and has written and lectured on um, medieval Norfolk visionaries Julian of Norwich and Marjorie Kemp. And she's also the founder and editor of Amethyst Review, where new writing engages with the sacred. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much, Tim. It's, it's lovely to be here. Thank and I you. just read one of your poems in the Catholic Poetry Room at Integrated uh, Catholic Life, I think maybe just oh, a week yes, or two yes. ago. Yes, yes, that's right. Thank you. Yes, that's just a little poem um, that, uh, that, that, that that's up there. So yes, thank you very much. That's a lovely site as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know the editor and um, we, we chat about every two weeks, a wonderful guy. Uh -huh. um, so yeah. I'm excited to talk to you today about your new poetry collection, which is called Therese Poems. It was published by Paraclete Press and um, you can buy it on Amazon. Are there other places you can purchase it as well? Yes, um, you can. Uh, certainly, if you're in America, you can buy it direct from Paraclete Press. Um, you can buy it from Amazon. Uh, and uh, to be honest, any bookshop um, that deals with book orders should be able to source it for you and get it for you. Um, and I know a few readers have, have, have got the book that way. So um, that's so wonderful. Yes, you have a choice. <laughs> and I, I read yeah. one of the reviews, um, poet Marjorie Maddox, who I know, she called your book a biography in verse. And I love that description because your poems are they're poetic reflections yeah. about Therese yeah. um, and they help us meditate on her and her life. And it, yes. so it's a biography, but it's so much more intimate exactly. than a biography. Yes. Um, and I, I just, I think that's so yes. unique yes. to bring poetry allows us to look through a different lens than, you know, than a, a traditional biography where you're just going through all the facts. Yes, that's right. And uh, um, um, that's, that was um, uh, a great hope of mine, um, I suppose, as I put the collection together. Uh, Therese, St. Therese of Lisieux is, is uh, such a, a very well known and well loved saint and there's plenty that's been written about her um much of which i've read and greatly enjoyed and benefited from um and i have come across some poetry that has been written um about her been inspired by her um and i didn't consciously seek to fill in a, a gap in the market or anything but a poet myself i, I suppose i responded in poems, well, individual poems, first of all, and then as I wrote more, um, I, I, um, uh, I, I felt that this sense of a, a chronology <laughs> was emerging and, um, and was therefore very happy to kind of shape, shape the book accordingly. So, so hopefully it does have that um, biographical chronology to it, um, although I certainly didn't set out to write it with that in mind and therefore each individual poem as I was writing it felt like a contained um text or meditation uh, on its on its own own well own, own merits but by itself and and hopefully readers can also respond to the book in that way taking yeah I, I love that about it you can read each individual poem yeah but it, it went through her entire life from a young child um, through her death, which was beautiful. One of the other things I loved about um, the book is the brief notes on different influential people in Therese's life 
at the beginning. So it gave some, You, I, I felt like I came away with a history yeah. lesson and an art lesson kind of combined. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I wanted to be um, as helpful as possible. And I wanted the book to be as um, reader friendly as possible. I certainly wasn't only writing the book for people who had read about Therese, studied Therese, uh, known about her. I wanted to have it as something um, that other readers would also explore. Um, and that's why I put some notes together after I'd put the poems together. I put some minimal but hopefully helpful notes together just, just to give people their their bearings when I mention a name um, uh, and um, yeah when when uh, when I talk about certain figures in the poems and so on and and if it has this um, sort of additional effect of, of, of providing a sort of brief biographical timeline and, and context for Therese then I'm delighted with that as well I, I put resources for the, for people who really want to, to um, read more there, there are some resources as well at the end of the book of um, texts and websites that I have found particularly rich and useful um, with following following Therese's story and, and as a discalced Carmelite secular um, the, our Carmelite community runs Carm, Carmelite conversations as an apostolate um, and Story of a Soul, the study guide from ICS Publications is wonderful. They go into all the background. And so it's uh, that's why I was so excited to share mm. this book, because if you've read Story of a Soul, this opens it up in a different way. It, it reminds you of the different experiences, but it's a poetry gives us just that different way to um, to meditate. Tell us a little bit mm. about your background, though. How did you get into writing poetry in the first place? Mm. Well, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm not sure that I'm able to answer it myself. I mean, I've been, I've always been a reader and a writer, a great reader. Um, and I've always written poems and stories and so on. Um, and it, it, even as a child, but it obviously it's taken many years uh, to feel that I have anything to put in the public domain uh, and share with others. Um, but my background is, is English literature. Um, and my job is um, a lecturer. I've been a lecturer at various universities and I'm a tutor at the Open University um, and some other places. So I, I kind of live and breathe and earn my living with, with reading, writing, um, commenting, um, responding to literature. Um, and I haven't only written poetry but I have always loved and returned to writing poetry so this isn't my first um, collection um, although Therese is a, is a figure that I have always uh, had a love for and, and regarded in a in a strange way as a friend um, in sure, that way that, yeah. that um, Therese allows one to do so that so the two streams of interest uh, and and contemplation and reflection have kind of merged together in this and, book. And you're also the founder and editor of Amethyst Review, which is a literary journal. Yeah. Tell us about what the focus of that, because it's very interesting. There's a lot of uh, literary journals out there, but yours really has a different focus. Yes. Well, I've long been interested in the connections between poetry and prayer and um, in a wider context, just writing and literature and the, the sacred and spirituality, not necessarily only studying sacred texts and lives of the saints and so on, but just how um, poetry and short fiction and short uh, life writing can provide insights and can provide material for reflection in, in, in this very specific 
enriching way. Um, and so I found that, that there are some great uh, journals and reviews that um, have this particular interest as well, but I didn't find so many online journals um, that had a particular dedication to writing in the sacred. And in particular, being in the UK, living in London and being in the UK, um, I felt that I would like to have a, a, a sort of online presence and an online place um, for people to to um, engage in dialogue in a way, you know, send send work, mm -hmm. send short work, not just poetry, but um, it, in a way, it's quite low key the way I run it presently. But it's open access. Um, it's an online journal. I post um, work almost every day, uh, poetry or short fiction or short. Um, non-fiction memoir and so on. So I like to have that sense of a gradually evolving open access community of people who, who, who are interested in writing in the sacred. Uh, and it's been wonderful to do, actually. It's been wonderful to do. I, I feel I've made a lot of really rich and meaningful connections. Um, and that in itself has made it worthwhile. It's always fun to connect mm -hmm. with other writers, yeah. especially yeah. Um, spiritual writers and poets and it is it's kind of a small yes. very tight community and you have that immediate bond of writing the same type of uh, material and so yeah it's uh, it's always exciting to meet um, meet new people now a lot of people don't mm. know um, that Therese wrote poetry and actually the more saints yes. that that I read about so many saints wrote poetry and it always kind of hits me that when you become contemplative, poetry is something that almost mm. feels to me that it it um, flows out of you like a spring a little bit. But she wrote, mm. I wouldn't say she was a great poet, but she did it. She had great joy in her poetry and in, in writing it for others, which I just think is a beautiful thing, especially when she was young. I mean, she she writes like a young poet, I guess I would say, but she was a young poet. Absolutely, she was, and she wrote it in a great spirit of uh, generosity uh, and humility. Um, almost all of her poems were responses to requests from other sisters, mostly sisters older than her, nuns older than her in, in the Lysia uh, Carmel. Um, they would ask her to write something to celebrate a feast day or to uh, honour a sister, um, and she would, um, she would take that commission and she would think creatively about it and, and write her thoughts, and she would tie her thoughts often to the spirituality of the um, sister that the poem was addressed to. Um, and she did write some beautiful things. I mean, her style was of its time uh, and she um, very um, cleverly, I think, and thoughtfully used popular songs and hymns to provide a kind mm. of pattern for her thoughts and words to, to fit together. Um, so she wasn't she wasn't a great student of poetry. That wasn't her, her main concern. Um, she wanted these poems to be accessible and to be um, uplifting. Um, and often they were sung, actually. They were often sung at recreations in the community. So some of them kind of crossed that uh, rather joyous border between poetry and, and, and lyric and song. They did a lot yeah. of singing. And I, I know when yes. um, my wife and I went to Avila, and, and uh, mm. we saw when where St. Teresa um, was, they still had a lot of the instruments and things and singing oh, was yeah. a very big thing. We have a daughter who's a Dominican sister 
and they still do on people on every feast day they celebrate the feast day and they still do do po write poems and songs and different art it's really it's a it's a beautiful old tradition yeah it is it is it's absolutely beautiful it's lovely um and and i think there's a crossover um with poetry and prayer in a way they're not the same thing but there are certain things in common that sense of um writing as something to express devotion and to express reflection and to to dwell in um and poetry can be a private thing in the way that individual prayer is but it can also be a communal thing um if it's shared in a group and that was often the case with with um Therese and her community uh, and, right, and hopefully, right hopefully we'll we'll continue <laughs> and, and even continue. today um a lot of people don't realize, and we've talked about about this in previous programs on Carmelite Conversations, but a, more than a third of the Bible is poetry. Yes. And so even when yes. we're at mass and we're, we're praying, mm. we're praying poetry all the time. And it's, which is, a, I don't think people think about it that way. Mm. And some of it is a different style of, of poetry, but there's some things that poetry is, it's easier to communicate. It's the best way to communicate mm. some some yeah. concepts why don't we jump in um and uh why don't you read the poem photo one for us as as a start today yes just one moment and i'll pull the document up okay so here's here's the um here's the poem one of the first poems in the collection photo one july 1876 she has already lost one mother Rose Taye, the wet nurse in her white walled cottage, who loved Therese to life, whose strong sap infused her with a taste for iron and fire. Soon she will lose another, Zelie, the strict, the suffering, whose own brief childhood was sad as a shroud, who prayed for a dutiful priest as a son who will die too young. But for now she stands between these two departures, three years old, dressed in a stiff white frock, frowning at the camera's toy box gloom. Soon she will struggle through a flicker book of mothers, but here she is, caught on a dark glass plate. She holds the chair leg firmly like a bishop's wooden staff and makes the long lip her quick maman interprets as sorrowing to come. I just love that. And I love the fact that you have the photos in the in the book. So you can be looking at some of the photos as you as you go along. Yes, what, I, what I love yes. about this poem is the foreshadowing. It's yes. you're writing the, the poem about her being young with uh, the lens of her entire life. And I especially love um the uh where she's caught on a dark glass plate. Yeah. I I just I yeah. I love that because it's it is that moment in time that um the, the photo caught and then you were able to catch in the poem as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I find that the photographs, the extant photographs of Therese incredibly moving. Um and uh, I not all of the poems are in response to photographs. Uh, 
many of them are. Um, and it was a, a, a delight to be able to include some of the photographs in, in the collection itself. Many of them are, are well known to those who, who know and love Therese. Um, and for those who don't, they're not necessary. Um, to hope to, to find a way into my poems um, but they I wanted them to complement each other um, and they are all available to to look at for free these poems on the archives the online archives of the um, Carmel of this year it's a, a wonderful website oh wonderful um, so, so many people, things there. yes it's very yeah. interesting because there, you know for so many saints we may have an illustration of them but no photos but there are many many photos of Tourette's yes um, and yes. I recognize so many of the ones in the book. I'd seen them before. So it was almost like this was a different yes. caption underneath it. Why don't, why don't yes. you for us a glass full? Yes. Yes. Now, this was not written in response to um, a photograph, uh, but it was written in response to an incident um, that Therese wrote about herself um, in her memoir. So a glass full. Therese, age six, sits at the table. Her legs swing under the wooden chair. She is troubled by God's grace and how one can be full of him yet smaller than a doll's house. How can it be fair when some are saints but most are limited sinners? In her hand, a white petaled aster warms and thins against her skin. Pauline lifts a jug of water, is teacher and mother, and pours cool blessing into cup and tumbler. Liquid shimmers at the brim of each. And which is fuller? Both, she answers, unpeeling the flower from her palm and slipping it into the smaller vessel, where it settles in its little pool as she wipes a spilled droplet away. It's so beautiful the way that you you caught the moment in time. What I love about these poems is that most of them focus on an instant. It's just, yes. you know, it's something that is just such a small amount of time. And I love the line and pours cool blessing into the cup and tumbler. Yes. Isn't that a, yes. a great way to look at all of our, our work, our, whether it's at home or other, other places that delivering blessings yeah. to people. But I love the moment, just like a snapshot it's this whole experience happened in just seconds. Yes, that's right. Yes, just um, I, I, Therese herself has this had this talent for communicating really quite profound spiritual insights using very simple um, moments, images, or gestures, or just a little experiences, often from her own childhood. Um, I mean, she she died so young; she didn't have a lot of life to look back. He mines childhood and discovers um, incredibly profound uh, kind of moments of reflection in these small instances, and so thinking about thinking myself about about this moment about how a small child with Therese's sensitivities um, could understand the mystery of of how one can be filled with grace and blessing no matter what one's size or capacity um, I, I found that really really profound so um, I'm, I'm, I'm very glad that, <laughs> um, some of it hopefully goes into the poem 
Yeah. And I hadn't thought yeah. about that I mean, I, yeah. before, but you're right. The, the simplicity of your poetry fits Therese. If you had written sonnets, well, Therese was not a sonnet. She would, yeah. you know, the, the simplicity kind of mirrors her life a little bit, which is a, a, an interesting literary match that you've matched the form of your poetry yeah. to who she was as a person. Yeah, I did really, I don't, don't think it was 100% conscious, but I, I definitely felt um, as I was writing them that I, they needed to be in this kind of lucid and, and simple form. I mean, I'm a, I'm a I'm poet, I've written other poets, I enjoy experimenting with all sorts of things, abstracts and forms and so on, but with Therese, I, 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 I didn't really have any... Um, uh, any doubts about the way I wanted to write these poems. I wanted to keep them sort of sim simple and, and kind of lucid. Um, what no, I mean, hopefully. What, yeah. what was yeah. your process yeah. then? How long did it take you to write all of these poems? You said they kind, you had written some and they kind of came together. Was it a long period to write all of the poems? Um, well, maybe a few years, which I, I don't think is that, that long. Um, uh, with in, in the poetry world so maybe two or three years altogether with with uh with periods of writing a lot you know every day or nearly every day and then letting it settle for a while and and then returning and um and then 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 a kind of um speed kind of quite joyful speed at the end when I could see that I wanted to have actually to have a, a, a sort of chronologically ordered collection um, but first of all um, I suppose I suppose it was the the images of Therese in a way that that really um, kind of propelled me into wanting to respond in poetry um, I have written other things about Therese and and I do have a, a kind of fiction uh, a fragmentary fiction project which I haven't completed but I revisit from time to time where I explore um, uh, different aspects of her life and different characters in her life but um, looking at the looking at the photographs and, and kind of dwelling on them and dwelling in them um, it really felt to me like a, a direct line to my poetic response that's wonderful um, to her so so um, that was how it happened yeah yeah that was how it happened sort of, yes almost like icons you know some of those photographs and then the sense that um, that there's there's such a, a richness of sort of feeling and story and spirituality behind them that kind of dwelling dwelling in in them almost um, is an to me felt like an invitation to respond uh, with poetry. Right. Yeah, when when you read about yeah. her as a child, especially, who would have thought she would have mm. become a doctor of the church? I mean, it, it's I know. her spirituality yes. was so yeah so powerful and continues to be yeah. and so beloved because of that simplicity. Would you read for us Christmas Miracle? This is one of the most famous stories. Yes. The story of a soul. And you captured yes. the moment so beautifully. Yes, yes, that's right. So um, a moment in Therese's life, Therese as a, as a teenager, um, suddenly um, was able to, to feel relieved of the scruples and the distress that had um, afflicted her for, for quite some time in her, uh, her late childhood. Christmas Miracle, 1886. Papa, the irascible, mutters his festive fatigue at the need for childish presents stuffed in the slippers. At least, he spits, it's the last time for this. His 13-year-old daughter catches her breath. 
at his bitterness. A dash for the stairs and a gulped down sob. Wait a while, Céline advises. Pray with me, she says. But Thérèse is new as a natal star in the dark old sky. And an old man's ways are the wrapping for this, the giving up of all she had because of the call of love over love. Such a neat way to see that story again. And what hit me about that were, were two lines, the fact that he spits and she gulps down. Yeah. The, the, where, where he's kind of fuming about this and, and she kind of brought it in and in that moment, God sanctified that experience mm. and helped her get over some of these things. Um, but it, yeah, just a beautiful way to to mm. capture that. I I think that's my favorite poem in the, oh, thank in, you. the in the book. Just beautiful. Yeah, thank you. And mm. how about um, Sister Saint Peter? This is another one that oh yes from, from Story of a Soul that is um, and, and I I can't remember was Sister. Sister St. Peter was the um, the elderly nun who Therese had to help around and did That's right. She wanted help, yes. but she not did not want to be helped, and certainly not by Therese. Yes, that's right. Sister St. Peter was an elderly nun um, at the convent, and Therese at the time was a, a new uh, novice, um, and Sister St. Peter was um, at, at the, the stage, I suppose, in, in life where she needed help, but she was reluctant to accept it, especially from someone who she felt was too young and inexperienced. Uh, and so Therese was uh, tasked with, with not only helping her physically, helping her um, walk from her cell to the refectory, um, but also dealing with her um, uh, with the elderly nuns sort of frustrations and, and, and um, you know, feelings of distress and feeling, um, you know, the feelings of being a little bit out of control uh, that can come when you when you need uh, when you need the help and she, she dealt with them so gracefully Therese now I'll read the poem Sister St Peter. The elderly nun shakes her hourglass. You there, sister, let's get on with it. Therese steps up and helps the hurting limbs into a rhythm of sorts towards the refectory forever receding. She gets no thanks. She is too quick, too young. The cloister holds its breath. Somewhere in her body, music plays, the fizz of a waltz, perhaps a ripple in the skin of life beyond its walls. The sky is inky blue. The elderly nun, seated at last, struggles with her cutlery. So Therese slices the bread and the cheese and on impulse turns her face to Sister St. Peter's and leans in for a kiss. And eventually she, Therese, really won her over through, did. through that yes. love. What I love about yes. this is yes. um, toward a refractory forever receding, which says to yes. me that that walk down that hall was long. It, you know, it, it yeah. seemed like it, um, it just took forever for her to get down there. But uh, what a great example of yeah. love in the little things, really kind of winning yeah. somebody over. And because I remember in, in Story yeah. of a Soul reading about this, and it was that kiss that I think really surprised the older nun that she would do so much of this out of love. And even as a, a yeah. such a, a young person was teaching the older nuns about um, spirit, her spirituality and her little way of love. Yeah, 
Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So so it's it's a long, laborious walk um, down the down the cloister. And, and during that walk, um, Therese says that she heard or she imagined that she heard some um, music going on outside the convent. She imagined a, a, a party and uh, wealthy um, uh, people dancing and attending this party. And then she compared it to her own situation and 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 felt that she would not be anywhere else you know she felt that she was in absolutely the right place um helping this elderly sister to the refectory and, and, and to be able to, to take um yeah, yeah to yeah, be it, joyful about it and to give more than more than was required you know i think in the right. in the autobiography she talks about a smile but i in my mind i just I, I can picture her you know with that just extra tenderness the unasked for tenderness that does finally win this other elder sister over right right well, yeah. why do you think that it's important for catholics and all christians to read poetry mm. what you've mentioned that you see it as a um a way to enter into prayer and it seems like at least in the united states it's a little bit of a lost art you really have to go looking for poetry in most areas but what what do you see what are some of the reasons mm. that you see as reasons for people to uh, read poetry as part of their prayer life? Mm. Um, well, I think it's it's such an interesting paradoxical form, poetry. It's, it's often contemporary poetry is quite short um, and it feels like it wouldn't take much effort. <laughs> uh, and indeed it doesn't take much time to, to find a poem and read a poem, but there is that invitation to pause, um, which we don't, you know, we don't necessarily get reading the paper or reading texts or reading stories with a compelling plot. Poetry invites you to pause and to, and to, to, to reflect um, and to connect with it, with your own individual response. Um, and I think that's, that's quite special. It, it's not unique to poetry, but it's, it's, um, it's highlighted uh, in poetry and, and the response that poetry asks of the reader. And, and some poems can be um, very prayerful and prayer-like, um, others not so much, but, but um, just like prayer poems can be celebratory they can be cries of distress um, they can be a contemplation of other things and other people um, uh, and so on they can be all these things um, and, uh, and 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 so those those are all those are all good reasons and, and there's a musicality as well to to poetry you know there's a sense of pause and rhythm and the sound of language and all of those things invite um, a, a, a sort of deeper connection um, not not just with the not just with the head, <laughs> um, but with a right. heart. You know, with a sense of rhythm and rhythm and pause and um, and beauty in some of them as well. Not always, I like but, your point about yeah. the the uh, the length of poetry too, because it's one form mm. that you can read multiple times. You really can reflect on it. You can read yes. something. You can yes. read it again. In our busy lives, yes. it doesn't take a lot of time. If you, if you have a couple yeah. minutes, you know, uh, before bed or or just to reflect on something differently. And I find yes. as I read poetry more, sometimes it changes how you see those things in your life. Sometimes a poem or a line in a poem comes back to you. For instance, in, in the poem you just read, yes, perhaps you're having, working with an elderly relative and, and you start to see things through Teresa's eyes and, and 
um, so you're able to kind of bring that back because the poetry stays with us the way that some songs do. You know, sometimes you can't get that song out of your head. Sometimes that happens with poetry as well. So it's a, a, yes. a beautiful thing to kind of remind yes. us of yes. those spiritual lessons. Yes, 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 that's beautifully, beautifully put. Yes, yeah. So it's a sort of meditating on a line or two. I mean, not especially of, of mine, but of, of, of powerful poetry throughout literary history. It can be something that, that um, one has recourse to and that reappears in the mind just at the, the moment that it's needed. Um, right, yeah. right. And I think yeah. for your poetry, especially um, for secular Carmelites, it's a great mm. way to see things in a in a different light. You can read Story of a Soul, so we hear Therese's words. You can look at the study guide, which is really kind of getting in to more of her biography, who who she was, and mm. um, things like this. But it's a different avenue, much in the same way when we study Saint John of the Cross, who was a great poet, and we read his yes, poetry. Yes, his poetry is um, is looks at things that the same issues in a different light and opens it up in a different way, especially when we're talking about things that truly can't be put into words. He had no way to explain some of those things. So poetry was the, o the only tool yeah. really that he had. It's at, when you're at a, yeah. at a loss, poetry allows you to describe beauty in, in a way that other words sometimes just won't do. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, it does. Um, it's it's not easy and rarely possible, and shouldn't be possible really to to translate a poem into <laughs> into prose. Um, you can reflect on it, and then you can reflect on it some more, and so on. But uh, the poem itself is is um, uh, a very unique and compressed and resonant way of writing. Um, and of course, Therese loved uh, John of the Cross, and she loved his writing. Um, so there's a connection there too. Let's let's close by reading a couple more poems. Oh. Um, would you read Photo 46 for us? Yes, uh, let's find this. So yes, so this is um, uh, a poem in response to um, an incredibly moving photograph that um, was taken um, just after Teresa died. She died of uh, tuberculosis when she was uh, 24 at the end of September. Um, in 1897 and her sister um, Celine or sister Genevieve um, took a photograph of her and she looks very very peaceful in this in this photo. October it's over. Therese seems to sleep as though she has closed her eyes in final prayer relaxing at last into God's arms. They have washed her and robed her fastened her mantle with its wooden tibby, pressed the circlet of white roses over her veiled head, wound the rosary about her hands, crucifix, lilies, the martyr's palm. Celine, perhaps, has gently smoothed the final pain away. She senses, as the camera makes its memorial, light and shadow silvering the glass, that something important is beginning. And when they take Therese away, Celine feels her absence soft about the heart, like the dawn rivering through an unlocked gate. I love that she senses that something important yeah. is somehow beginning. That's a, a, um, 
just beautiful. And and the yeah. river through the unlocked gate, it it must have been amazing to be. I mean, I think the the other nuns knew that there was something special about Therese, but surely they had no idea the story of a soul and the impact that she would have for generations and generations afterwards and, and um, become this great no. beloved um, teacher. So I, I, I love that she could sense that something was beginning because surely yeah. it was. Yeah, that's right. Just feel, just feel her way towards um, the, the, the idea that something hasn't ended so much as begun, you know, a gates open, new light is flooding in, um, which is what Therese said herself at the end of her life. And she said she wasn't dying, she was entering into life. So there was a very right. strong, um, albeit mysterious sense of that. Yeah. So the last poem that you're going to read for us is the mm -hmm. Antiquire. And um, before mm -hmm. you read it, is this poem about you? Is, is are you in this poem? Are yeah, you putting... yeah, it was a dream. Mm, it was a dream. I've tried not to put myself um, as regards me as a particular individual with all my um, muddles, <laughs> muddles and wants and needs and, and so on. But as a, as a sort of uh, a bridge, maybe a bridge between um, Therese's world and someone who's perhaps in our 21st century world. Um, and it was actually a dream that I had. Um, I've, I've dreamt um, I've dreamt about being in in in, uh, in Lisieux and, and visiting the Carmel and all sorts of privileged things that I, I would never have in in real life. I've never met Teresa herself in a dream, but one dream I did have, um, which is strangely vivid, that I was in this antiquire, the room um, uh, uh, besides the um, choir, uh, so-called choir in, in the Carmel, which is where the sisters um, prayed and meditated for so many hours a day. So it was a kind of uh, interim space. What I so loved about I'll, I'll this was the entire book is the biography. And I love the fact that you yeah. put yourself in here as the, as that bridge. It showed that um, there's still the connection. It's more this this isn't somebody that's only historical, but she's somebody that is still touching us today. So I I just like when I got to this yeah. poem, I love the fact that you hit you talked about um, this because it made all all the history of Therese present today to me. Oh, thank you so much. That's really good to hear. Um, you know, there are a couple of poems. Yes, just just at the end where I use the where I use myself, I suppose I use the I, and and I I, um, I wasn't sure for a while whether to put them in or not, and I and I put them in, I took them out, and I put them in, and I and took them out, <laughs> and then I did have a strong sense. It wasn't exactly a, a sort of a, an answer given in prayer, but I did have a sense that they 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 should go in there um and and i think what you've said uh provides the rationale for that that they're they're a kind of means of connecting um to present day readers in the contemporary world um anyway i'll read the poem the antiquire last night i dreamt i was there in the antiquire the space between cloister and chapel movement and pure prayer a waiting room where the sisters gather in pairs, cream cloaks over workaday habits, blinking the sleep from their eyes or the day from their minds. I was alone, barefoot on the wooden floor, and I sensed her presence there, Therese, not novice young, nor yet in solemn crowned repose, but waiting in this place as though to welcome them with a shaft of grace 
the drift of little souls she would lift up against the window filled with light. Just beautiful. I, I love it. I love it. It's been wonderful chatting with you today, Sarah. And it, just to remind listeners, they can pick up the book, uh, Therese Poems at Paraclete Press's website or on uh, on Amazon. So Amazon. Thank, thank you for sharing all this with us today. Oh, thank you so much. What a pleasure to speak to you and, and to be on the podcast. Um, thank you. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. All right. Until next okay. time on Carmelite Conversations. God bless.